0: I'm Dave Monaco, the Alan Meyer Family Head of School at Parish Episcopal School. Welcome to the From My Angle podcast. Omari and I were fortunate to have Mayor Johnson and his nephew, Parish Freshman Isaiah Johnson, on the last episode of the podcast. What an excellent dive it was into the world of leadership and the challenge of keeping followers together during perilous times like the ones we face these days. Nevertheless, that podcast was a diversion of sorts from the month's focus here in April and how we gather to create. Parish Arts Director Hutch Hutcherson had helped jumpstart that conversation two episodes ago and leading us in some thinking on this topic about coming together and collaborating in the power of the arts. As we did in March with athletes Christian Benson and Sarah Haga here at Parish and our Athletic Director Brett McCabe though, I wanted to incorporate the voices of our students and faculty members and a similar discussion about the joys and lessons and opportunities that follow coming together to create and in the arts environment. So today, in this episode, we have musicians and visual artists to talk with us. Senior Ryan Daniel and visual arts instructor Becca Johnson are here to represent the visual artists in the ecosystem of parish arts, while senior Claire Hudson and music instructor Dr. Stephen Hendricks join us to talk about collaboration in the area of music. You will truly enjoy how thoughtful and insightful these passionate artists are about their craft and how impactful the experience of collaboration and creation has been and continues to be in their lives. Enjoy this From My Angle conversation with a merry band of artists from the parish arts community. Welcome back to the From My Angle Podcast. We are almost done with the season. This is our next to last, or maybe second next to last episode. We'll have a couple more in May, but we are recording this at the end of April, and I've got some more of my parish friends with me today. I thought I might have Omari, but life is complicated for all of us here in this this last month of school with Parish Bridge and the like, but Omari will be back in May as he does his final episodes with us. We had a great time with Mayor Johnson in our last episode, by the way. Excellent dive into leadership and keeping followers together during challenging times. But it was a diversion because we had started this month with Parish Arts Director Hutch Hutchison, really jump-starting our thinking about the topic of together and how we come together in collaboration, specifically around the arts. So as we did in March with our athletes Christian Benson and Sarah Haga and with Athletic Director Brett McCabe, I wanted to bring some of our student faculty members from parish arts together to talk about the joys, the lessons, the opportunities that come from being together in the arts. So here they are in the human. We're not doing this on zoom, which is awesome. So glad you all are here with me. I have, uh, and I'll let them introduce themselves in a second, senior Ryan Daniel and she is in visual arts and her instructor, Becca Johnson is here. Our senior Claire Hudson, who's a musician among other gifts and, her instructor and mentor, Dr. Stephen Hendricks. So, welcome, y'all. So glad to have you. Thank Great to be here. Yeah, <laughs> Paris Arts Time. Yeah. So, let's have the community get to know you a little bit better. Uh, and let's do um, it by kind of the generic when you came to Paris. But, in the spirit of our conversation today, how do you identify yourself as a creative, right? Because Claire's a musician, but she also does visual arts. You know, you all are kind of different spaces. So,
1: I tell know. us. I won't.
0: Yeah, tell us, like, when you came to Parish. But more importantly, how do you identify yourself as a creative? Musician? Visual art? Artist? Maybe another descriptor. Claire?
1: I can go first. Yeah. Go first. Um, I've been here since fifth grade. I came in the fifth grade. I would identify myself primarily as a musician, but I've done a lot of other artistic endeavors here at Parish. So a little bit of everything, yeah. honestly.
0: So not artists, more musician.
1: Sure. <laughs> but... Um, overall an artist. I like being involved with all of the different artistic processes of music like designing cover art and all of those kind of things. That's why I was really curious about this question
0: because I think the athletes, if I were to ask them, they'd go to a sport and you all are also athletes in some instances, but I think they would go to a sport. They'd say I'm a football player, a basketball player rather than an athlete. But I was curious and we'll see around the table here how many of you would just say artist, right? So Dr. Hendricks, how do you identify as a creative?
2: We haven't... Saying around the house that I am sort of the cultural janitor. <laughs> I spend so much time doing things that are artistically related, but not necessarily the biggest thing in my wheelhouse. So I find myself teaching foundations of music in, in guitar class and piano class and two types of, of theory and then the essential standards group. And when we can sing, I do choir. Um, and it was the same way when I was teaching at college. Um, I was doing, I had many hats to wear. So I see myself more as a person who gathers all these things together and puts them in my basket for other people to, to take from But more there. in the musician space, Definitely and more are a musician, musician
0: space. and you got, uh, this is what year for you at Parish? This is my ninth, ninth? year. Ninth? Okay, excellent. All right, Becca.
3: Weird. Yeah, it is. This is my 10th year. Wow. Well, it is really unbelievable.
0: Welcome wild. to the Decade Club. And
3: I subbed for two years before that. Yep.
0: So. And and we should mention daughter of an esteemed, uh, now retired, upper school colleague, Linda Johnson. who can you ever forget that one. No. can get <laughs> LJ She's at all. She's still subbing here. Yes, yeah, she is. Like, yeah. So uh, how do you identify as a creative?
3: Definitely as a visual artist. Mm. I'm, just because we have musicians here, like that's definitely a heavy spectator and lover of the music side, (laughs) Mm -hmm. especially with a husband that's a musician and Mm -hmm. all my friends play music. But for me specifically, it's visual. I, when I'm at home, I do mostly painting and some printmaking and a little bit of photography and just kind of try to mix it all together. And a lot of that shows in my students' projects, I think. Mm -hmm. I think my hand definitely Mm -hmm. shows in what I give them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, visuals, my
0: love. And just like Steve was saying, so many different domains in the music place that he cleans up and brings together to present. You were just referencing oh, yeah. even in the visual arts, mm-hmm. painter, photographer. Yeah. It's, you can go lots of different directions, which we'll certainly get into. Mm-hmm. All right, Ryan. Last but definitely not least.
4: Um, I'm definitely just a visual artist like Miss Johnson. to um, D specifically just because I kind of came into the art game a little late, you know what I mean? Like, I love the musicians, like, I love the theater kids, like, hold them so highly. I couldn't do that. I wish mm-hmm. I could. Mm-hmm. But I'm definitely a 2D artist, and there's, like, a lot that goes with that, like, just your mediums, like, painting, drawer, watercolors, da-da-da-da-da, mm-hmm. but, like, all the above.
0: Yep. And That's a big fun. afternoon for you is the uh, yeah. arts, the art show actually oh, opens yeah, up yes. virtually the, this afternoon, yeah. and this is concluding year um, for you at Parrish.
4: Oh,
0: yeah. Um, I came to parish in sixth grade. Yeah, so uh, whatever that is, six or seven years. Yeah. So let's talk origin stories, because we all grow up playing. And I spoke to the athletes about that. You know, we all up playing ball or playing outside. I think we all grow up um, sketching and, you know, kind of um, doodling and, and whatnot. But I'm more interested in, like, that moment that you're like, I'm not just doing that as a, a childish thing anymore. I'm an artist and either you found the arts or is it a phenomenon like the arts actually found you so let's start with an adult um becca like do you remember that moment
3: i don't know yes actually i was gonna say i don't know and then i just remembered so i grew up obviously sketching drawing all of that i remember being in second grade and turning in this drawing of a building that then the teacher turned into the principal because he thought I copied it and then it was one of those where my mom marched up up to school, lost her mind, all of that, and then I was kind of turned off from the arts for a very long time because of that teacher and that experience. And then, you know, cheerleading gymnastics took over my life and when I was in college on a cheerleading scholarship, you know, you have to take arts credits so I took an art appreciation class at Hawaii Pacific, and sitting in that class that first day, I was like, "This is what's missing. Like wow. this is what I just completely forgot about yeah. that I loved and am actually good at."
0: So you refound it really, mm-hmm. and that's, that's that's somewhat late in the game for someone who's now made a profession. Yeah, I was like nineteen. Bad working in the in the arts, right? Yeah. yeah. And about... i had
3: not drawn or anything, you know, since like sixth grade until then so. that's incredible
0: yeah it's a powerful story about the influence of, of teachers to turn someone off from a topic or a subject um but it, that's another direction so ryan coming back now to someone who's um younger do you do you remember that moment where the arts found you or you found the um, arts
4: it was definitely very recently like when i was younger my grandpa bought me like a little sketchbook and charcoals, and I would like draw dresses, whatever. But I was like six, and that's when I was into it. Mm-hmm. But I always, always, always thought of myself as like an athlete. Like I was that tomboy little kid, mm-hmm. and then in high school. I and guess you like, still are by the no, way. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for an sure. excellent soccer player Thank on our our squad here. So, but freshman year, like. For a long span of time, like seven months, I had a really bad back injury. Mm -hmm. So then I couldn't play all my sports. I was doing like cheer Mm -hmm. and soccer and lacrosse. And then like it just got cut short. Mm -hmm. And I was just in basic art electives, Mm -hmm. like printmaking one, drawing and painting one. And I just got really into it. Mm -hmm. And it was just kind of like an outlet for me because I didn't have my sports anymore. And then every trimester I found myself in a different... 2d elective just because i enjoyed it so much and then i like applied to be in the portfolio art class for junior year because i was more behind than the other kids but i guess when i took that step to be like this is something i really want to do like i'm not just an athlete like sports is a big deal for me but art's now kind of equally as big of a deal that's when like junior when i joined the portfolio class
0: so some natural talents just Emerged really as you got as you got. To One could say One allocate can say. allocate some time really to allocate some time for it, and this is really a fascinating thing about being in schools, and I'm sure um, I'm sure Doc and, and Miss um, Johnson have seen this. Like, and it kind of comes to you, Claire, because people who I've known as young people, right, fifth mm-hmm. and sixth grade or even younger, um, almost overnight become. A musician or an yeah. artist in front of you sometimes an athlete but usually you've seen them kind of playing all the way along but yeah. somebody like Sam Johnson I remember going back to Sam Johnson's like went off to Belmont and is now an accomplished professional musician yeah. and I remember the moment exactly of sitting in the black box and being shocked that he could sing yeah. because it never manifested itself mm-hmm. and I have sort of the same sense with you yeah right like you, you weren't one I knew all throughout middle school as a musician so i'm yeah. curious as to your answer to this question of when you found the arts or the arts found you
1: i definitely became a more serious musician at the start of high school but every musical and artistic endeavor that i've been involved in here at parish has been a complete happy accident um <laughs> whenever i so i joined the drum line in sixth grade that wasn't my original plan my brother actually wanted to 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 join, so I was tagging along to the interest meeting. And then I decided that it was something that I also wanted to do. Twin brother, brother for yeah. the audience
0: we should reference. Yes. Give Cole a shout out.
1: Shout out Cole. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> and then how I joined Essential Standards was also an accident. Mm-hmm. Um, I was singing Bohemian Rhapsody That's right. in freshman year music theory class. And <laughs> you were like, hey, I'm starting this band. You should join. And I was like, OK. Wow. And then how I joined Drawing Port portfolio even was an accident I had done all of the music extracurriculars and I've always loved loved art so I was like I should just go and try my hand at it 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 had been years since I'd drawn and it's so I (laughs) somehow
4: ended up in portfolio so Miss
0: Johnson (laughs) rediscovered the arts Ryan I think found the arts Mm -hmm. because of circumstance you, it sounds like the arts found you.
1: It just sort of
0: happened. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so Doc, we're the two oldest chaps in the room. Oh, Do you yes. remember when the arts found you or you found the arts? And we're not talking about cave drawing here, so let's
3: like... <laughs> 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 <right>? <laughs> You're close. Uh,
2: I suppose for me, um, it was other people that saw something in me as a musician that I didn't see in myself. Uh, when I had my first piano lessons, it was less than a year later that I ended up being suggested to go to the cathedral in Louisville to sing in the Men and Boy Choir. And, so how old were you then? Oh do you gosh, learn? I was probably seven. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> but realizing that I was not ever going to be the most talented pianist or singer, Um, My direction was really going to be into astronomy and astrophysics. That's what I wanted to do. And um, there were several instances where my high school science teachers didn't know me. I didn't understand what they were about. And um, it was really my high school German teacher and choral director that also saw something in me, and we had relationships that fostered my ability to Mm. enroll in music school. And um, it's always been there. I didn't think I was gonna be a musician. Um, I've always been interested in teaching, but it was really teachers who fostered in me something that I didn't know I had, so.
0: And how powerful that you've turned the the table on uh, and, and many students, including the one sitting here in Claire, right, <laughs> who's just told the story of you doing that that same thing as she heads off her, um, college at Berkeley in um, in Boston next year to, to study music. So when Hutch and I, Hutch Hutchins is director of Parish Arts, when we were talking in our podcast, um, I'm out of the athletic field, you know, I coached there and I spent a lot of my time there. So I was all around team, right? And so what interests me about arts is how Ryan, you were referencing, like, he gave you this outlet personally without your sports. Like, arts is so unique and um, expression is so individual. And at the same time, we were talking about this whole notion of the, of the community of creatives, and Hutch was talking about how he sees artists as being, you know, really excellent at pattern recognition and then risk-taking, you know? And that, that part of art is very communal, you know? So I wanted you all to talk a little bit about how your participation as musicians and artists, you know, has emboldened you to take risks, you know, and added richness to your creative expression. So talk to me about how, um, you know, how that works for you in, in your world, risk-taking. Who wants, who wants to kind of dig into that?
1: Hmm. I can go first. Um, I'll say in terms of risk-taking and being emboldened to take that step, the first example that comes to mind is I've been a drumline section leader for two or three years now and this year we have a very strong tenor line. Like they are equally as good if not better than me and being in the position where I am coaching them through how to play tenor and all that kind of stuff has, it's humbling but also so integral to me becoming a better musician Mm -hmm. is being around people who can make me better as well so I've had to sort of up my game to be on the same level as them and take a step back and to learn with them instead of just instructing them so that's the most recent example that I can think of of being in an unfamiliar situation and taking risks yeah and
0: and an ensemble that functions very much like a team yeah you know and so that's the interesting piece how about over in the visual arts so risk taking looks different there and yeah. you get feedback not from uh, blind members in the drum line but perhaps um, from those that are critiquing your work, either yeah. peers or, or, or judges. Like how's that work for you, Ryan?
4: Um, for me personally, I already talked about this, but I'm like new to like the whole two D art scene. When majority of people we have a portfolio class junior year that then like segues to AP art senior year mm-hmm. so majority of the people in my class have been sketching and drawing since they were like little so they've practiced with different mediums they've tried different things but for me risk taking was just like one applying to be in the course because I was like no one in my family is an artist all of them are like you're weird you're different <laughs> from us I'm like maybe a little bit so just that first step of like putting myself out there kind of I feel like it's risky a risk I took and then just throughout my whole experience in art trying new things with the pieces and not being sure if it's going to look good or not because I turn each piece in as a project like each piece is either going to my overall portfolio or it's going to be graded harshly like doing something new with a different medium like painting watercolor like doing 3d pieces It was all, I would say, kind of risky and new for me just because I was late to the art scene. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, and so Becca, like, what what does collaboration look like in the arts ecosystem as opposed to the team athlete, team uh, element or to, like, the ensemble component that um, Steve and and Claire spent a lot of their time on Claire was just talking about the drum line. What does collaboration look like to you in an art room or around a, a... a community of creative artists, visual artists.
3: So there's a couple different ways I guess I can answer that. Shockingly, I've never really done a collaborative piece as a project until, <laughs> until this yeah. year with Claire's class with portfolio. So they, I told them at the very beginning. I was like, look, I don't. I've never taught something like this before. We're gonna work through this together. We've gotta need your feedback. So it was completely narrative. They had to create these narratives alone put in a group then rework them together and then work on their pieces and kind of pass their pieces around to each other so everybody had a hand
0: in everybody's piece Mm -hmm. in their
3: group they turned out incredible and so in the great hall the pieces are up with their individual written narrative, or their group written narratives and then their individual conceptual statement. Did the
0: individuals have a choice on which section they began to work on or just mm-hmm. wherever they nope. dove in, they dove in? They mm-hmm. just
3: dove mm-hmm. in. And their partner could do literally whatever they wanted to it.
1: And we weren't allowed to like really talk about it. It just sort of was a very organic process. We would just look at the person's piece and be like, I think it needs this, instead of asking them for approval. So it's very freeing to like be able to Put something on someone's piece that wouldn't have been there mm-hmm. if you hadn't touched it.
3: Well, and it also it took them being confident in themselves and their classmates to know that whatever they're going to add to it, their classmate, their <coughs> partner is going to appreciate mm-hmm. because they know that they're good at what they do. Mm-hmm. Right, whether the styles are the same or not, which they never are. <laughs> yeah. So everybody's piece has a little bit of hand of everybody else's style. So they turned out really cool. Mm-hmm. They're in the Great Hall. Um, I think they're closer to this. Than this to the end, Great yeah, Hall. I'm gonna check so this out. I had no idea that's how those were. Yeah, done. So yeah, so that's one kind of collaborative thing we've done. And then there's the obvious kind of they do a ton of peer critiquing mm-hmm. in every mm-hmm. single project. Okay. Yeah, they're always talking to each other. And in this new COVID world, there's it's been a lot of digital hmm. kind of on the online discussion boards. They do it that way. I prefer the in person because I think mm-hmm. that's. A huge part of building that community within each class mm-hmm. and like building that respect for each other. And those critiques can get kind of deep. Yeah. Mm, yeah? That, like, right. They yeah. can get really deep and they get a lot from them.
0: And of course you go off to, in, again North Times ISAS festivals or artists so, go to art festivals yeah. too, right? And so mm-hmm. artists will get together to give each other both formal critique but also right. this informal type of collaborative In a collaborative world, and I think that's
3: the that's the best thing about ISAS is here we've got our bubble. Like you're always getting critiques from me. Yeah. yeah. And you're always getting critiques from your classmates, but to branch out and to find people from other schools in that ISAS world Mm -hmm. where you can walk around the gym and just talk to other students about what they've done and why they did it and what techniques they use and then go to the workshops. Learn from other professionals. Yeah. And then, just, and they also submit their artwork to galleries and to competitions outside of school. Like Ryan just got, she's in the New York Times. Yes, that was so
0: awesome. Yeah. Congrats. Just a few weeks ago.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned ISAS for our listeners, which is our accrediting association of some ninety-five schools or so. But every spring they hold a a festival for um, over three thousand. Uh, artists broadly defined, musicians, visual artists, dramatic artists, who come together at uh, at one of the schools uh, in the association to do uh, what Becca was just talking about, which is really to, to engage in sharing and celebration of art and uh, to further their further their skills. But when Claire walked in, uh, we were chatting before she got here, um, mm-hmm. and I was asking her about um, what she was going to do with the band that she plays with now when she gets to school, etc. But she was talking about. Um, how much she loves playing um, with the two bandmates that she plays with, her brother, and another student here, Jaden. And um, that got to this notion of the difference between the visual arts and the the musical arts is this idea of finding um, what we called in the athletic conversations, chemistry, team chemistry, cohesion, synchronicity, Mm -hmm. right? So tell me what it feels like, Claire, when you find what you're describing with your brother and Jaden, like what... What does that actually feel like that's Mm -hmm. different with them than it is with other musicians who you might get together with?
4: Yeah.
1: Um, I think there's two aspects of it. Uh, Being truly connected and locked in with a band is having the same musical ideas about what you want to accomplish and then really locking in and being present at a live show. And I don't just Mm -hmm. experience that in my own personal band, even though I spend a lot of time with them and I write music with them. I also experienced that with Essential Standards. Mm -hmm. And I especially experienced that at ISAS, which we were just talking about. Um, I feel the most present and connected and dialed into a band whenever we've all been working towards a common goal for such a long time. And then that day, that performance, that recording session finally comes. And then we're all just so excited to be there in that moment. Mm -hmm. I think that's whenever everybody's experiencing and truly thankful for the present in that point in time and that's what makes me want to keep on pursuing music both in my own personal band and with essential standards and with all of the other bands that i'm a part of
0: yeah the athletes talk about getting into a zone and i'm sure you all feel it as artists too where things come without thinking and there's a a natural uh, intuition Mm -hmm. of your teammates as to what they were going to do next and you anticipate it because of all the practice yeah. and preparation that you're mm-hmm. referring to. So your ability to anticipate it with them um, is uh, both magical and intuitive and natural right yeah. And so you know Doc, you've done, you've been a, you've been a coach of musicians as a coach can be of you know Ryan's soccer team. So as a conductor and a facilitator, like, have you learned any secrets on how to promote this cohesion or is it really just a matter of the personalities of the people that end up coming together?
2: There are a few words that come to me um, as a conductor, which is really what I'm trained to do. Um, It's about instilling trust and also being vulnerable, and it's a situation where as someone who's a coach, I... Dare not even try to play with these kids in the central standards because they're all so much more talented than I am. (laughs) But not true. I can say, I can say, as a coach and as somebody who looks out after the music and for them, it's learning how to listen, and then being able to listen. And for me, it's hearing what's in between the notes. It's not. Just what they're playing—it's all the things that work in between, and that's how they at- react with one another. It's how they choose to play off of one another, um, and when those magical moments happen, there's there's nothing there's nothing on this earth quite like it, mm-hmm. um, and that's one of the great gifts that I think music has for. For all of us, I mean, none of us gets in a car and listens to a radio station of music you loathe and detest. Right. You don't. You find those things in those places that give you the opportunity to trust in yourself and yet be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And that's true just as a listener, but it's also true for them as a group. This is
0: really fascinating because across the conversations with the athletes, starting back with Charles Cook, an alum of ours who played a couple sports at, at, uh, at Yale and then um is now in professional sports work at Houston Astros organization. That was the first time it started coming up and it's been consistent through the conversations with Christian as we talked about um, athletes here and Sarah Haga and then moved into art conversations. This is this idea of vulnerability and Ryan was just talking about it, right? Like mm-hmm. just stepping in and I got a new idea. Yeah. Do I put it out there? Mm-hmm. You know, because just like athletes, you're putting something out there for public consumption, mm-hmm. right? Or you have to say, this person is stronger in this space than than I am. So, um, in the spirit of musicians, riff a little bit more on this idea of, of vulnerability. Like, how how have you how have you experienced it in, in more maybe expanded terms of what we've already touched on um, as as artists, and how do you think it's emboldened you, even perhaps outside of the world of your work as artists?
4: Um, I feel like vulnerability for me it just kind of appears in very different ways like in the art world with my whole portfolio we create an AP portfolio to submit to the AP board whatever our senior year and you have this concentration and it's a, an in-depth really most likely personal and like deep idea which all of your pieces are centered around. So in creating your concentration for your portfolio you can have to dig deep and like Find out mm. what you want this. I don't know organization of pieces <laughs> for you, to like, I don't know, look like because each piece has to be personal and vulnerable. You need a new idea. So, for me, being vulnerable in my concentration, I in each piece I like express my greatest worries, my greatest mm. fears, my greatest aspirations. It was because my concentration was about myself. It was more like a mm-hmm. journey of self discovery. Mm-hmm. So when I then complete these pieces, I present them to everyone. I present them to the world, and that's extremely. It's like an extremely vulnerable thing because they're seeing my like deepest thoughts and aspirations, whatever, and it's. I just leave them out there for the world to judge, you know. And that's really
0: different than your experience as a soccer player, right? Athletes are vulnerable because they may they may miss the penalty kick, and that's embarrassing. Yeah. But they're not putting their innermost thoughts and worries it's, and anxieties and fears and hopes into their, yeah. into their kick.
4: In the moment, as like an athlete, it's like a two second, yeah. if you miss a goal in the last two seconds of the game, it's like, shoot, that's me being vulnerable, I messed up yep. in the moment. But yep. like, with art, it's more of this like, it's more, it's It's so different, but like the feelings definitely overlap, mm-hmm. but it's much more personal. Yeah. And deeper. Yeah,
0: that's deeper. well said. And we talked a lot about the power of art, which I use the term elixir. You know, to really be um, a a way to help people process some of the things that torment yeah. all of us. And art does that in a particular way that um, you know, a team sports or maybe do a little bit, a little bit less of. Um, Doc Rebecca, as the adults in the room, Mike, you have thoughts on this idea of vulnerability. Doc already hit on a little bit. What do you think, Becca?
3: What is so different to me from? sports to the visual arts is I mean you come into the experience already vulnerable Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and you get into my class and I'm asking you to put that vulnerability like into words Mm -hmm. and then to put those words into a piece of art and then to put that up on a wall (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah. and
3: show it to everybody for a long period of time whereas a Miss Penalty Kick might be over in two seconds mm-hmm. this piece of art along with your conceptual statement and you pouring your heart out about this piece is up there for a while to be, for people to visit and not only visit but revisit and interpret and analyze mm-hmm. over and over and over and I just ask them to be okay with that and...
0: What I love is how open they are. I mean, it takes a minute, and not everybody is open to that, but... Yeah, yeah that idea of permanence, um, yeah. that, that idea of permanence of art that it, stay, that it stays out there is, is interesting, especially in the visual arts. Mm-hmm. You know, I suspect if there were a dramatic artist here, they'd say a flubbed line or missed a note mm-hmm. is as forgotten as the penalty kick. Yeah. yeah. But where the vulnerability mm-hmm. comes in sometimes is in, you know, um, being able to just... Uh, trust, as Doc was saying, trust in those around you in the ensemble, Mm -hmm. and that's that's a point where you just don't have control, which is the definition of vulnerability, right? You're sort of giving that up.
1: And also, for me, both in visual art and in music, being vulnerable is about looking at a piece or creating a piece to capture a feeling and to share that with your audience. In music, if I'm writing a song, or if I'm covering a song, my main goal as an artist is to take the emotion of the song, interpret it in the way that makes sense to me, and make sure that every person in the audience feels that emotion. I think people gravitate towards music because it says the things that they feel that they're too scared to say. Mm-hmm. I think that art's the exact same way. Yeah. Whenever I'm creating any piece, I'm thinking about what are people going to feel whenever it's said and done and it's on the wall. And that's a very vulnerable place to be in, to both think about your own feelings and the feelings of others and how to merge them.
0: Hutch and I were talking about Daniel Pink's um, book, uh, The Right, the, the Whole New Mind, and, and um, this idea of the enduring habits that stay with one who um, cultivates the, the right side of their brain, the artistic side of their brain. And you know Hutch was talking about the, 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 the power of the arts to teach one about uh, creativity and collaboration and confidence, you know that again, once you expose yourself to vulnerability, and you realize,
2: mm-hmm. hey, I'm all right, I made it. through, <laughs> yeah. You know
0: that gives you confidence to try again, right? right? To bring the next new idea. So especially for for you, Ryan, mm-hmm. and and Claire, as you're getting ready to leave us, and you look back over these um, journeys through Parish Arts, I'm wondering, I'm wondering what gift you identify m- at most that you're taking with you into life, not even future artistic endeavors, but really life as a result of your experience as artists?
1: More than anything, music has given me confidence. If you look at me before I joined Drumline, before I joined Essential Standards, any of those things, sure, I had X, Y, and Z going for me, but I hadn't found my niche yet, and I hadn't found out how to collaborate with others and be on a team and have opportunities to lead. And I think about this a lot, how much music and the arts in general have shaped me to be a more confident and self-assured person and has led me into going into the field that I want to go into.
0: And you've seen that transformation, Doc, right? Because we're snickering oh. each other, because like Claire was, um, I I think meek would would be not the right word, but you, Very shy. You, you were shy, mm-hmm. right? I mean, and shy can be great. And introversion is healthy and necessary, and an attribute many share. But I mean, speak to this transformation. You've seen of that of this young woman now. When she's on stage, she 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 conveys. Presence and charisma, right?
2: She understands that intersection between the visual part of a performance mm-hmm. and the technical part better than anybody I've seen so far. Um, you look at her and you know what's going on mm-hmm. um, in her, in her story as a singer right. or as a player, right. and that's an important. A much more important piece in the popular side of things than in the classical side, um, and and she embodies mm-hmm. that ability to hold both of them at a hundred percent. It's not fifty-fifty; it's a hundred percent of both. And you know, part of it, and that vulnerable part of it for her, and I hope for everybody else, is it's putting aside, putting aside the ego and the agenda in favor of the music mm-hmm. and in favor of the experience mm-hmm. and especially in favor of your audience. Yeah. Because it's one thing to do it for yourself, but Claire knows how to do it for others.
0: Yeah, she just said she wants the audience to feel exactly. her interpretation mm-hmm. of, of the music and, and I think that's very clear. You also have to be good at what you're doing. I mean, mm-hmm. I think uh, whether you're a star quarterback like Preston Stone in your class, right, who carries charisma and confidence and, uh, and has a creativity in the way he plays, mm-hmm. right? but it's also born of a lot of practice and getting to be good at his craft yeah. and you've gotten to be exceptional at numerous, at, at numerous instruments. So you carry that confidence that hopefully will spread not just across your work in the, in the field of music, but mm-hmm. in terms of how you uh, carry yourself as an individual. How about you, Ryan? Like you're looking back in, in the arts because in the athletics as well, but if you really focus on the gift of the arts to you as the takeaway, what, what is it?
4: The arts has taught me so much just about myself I feel like as opposed to a sport that I played since I Mm -hmm. was younger even like getting really involved in school and classes whatever the arts has just allowed me to realize that I'm not limited to be one thing or do one thing and my life doesn't have to look like a certain way Mm -hmm. like it just helped me to see that I can try new things and that I'm not just this one, I'm not just an athlete. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so much more than that and I feel like I'm gonna take that whole idea of me not being limited to one, I don't know, major one this, one that, like into my life in the future and just have it, I don't know, allow me to do, it. now I feel like I can do what makes me happy and I'm not limited. It just totally broadened my mind as to the possibilities for the future, I guess, which I'm eternally grateful for. And furthermore, like Claire said, it just made me a lot more confident in myself. I mean, I was pretty confident beforehand, but now it's a more like Mm well-rounded type of confidence as opposed to like my confidence in my athletic abilities, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah,
0: you've journeyed um, a lo- you've journeyed a lot closer to your soul. It sounds like that's where yeah. you've gone with your art and yeah. I, I, you know all know me well enough that um, y- if you leave it with a better sense of who you are, not who you think others want you to be, mm-hmm. right and how you can go impact the world for good from that sort of authentic understanding of who you are, then if art's helped you with that, then that's tremendous. I'm wondering back like how many of your students do you see go that far in with their art where it really starts to, orient them to their inner sense of self and where they fit in the world or is that not common Ryan? I see it
3: I see it more definitely in the portfolio and AP Kids towards the end of portfolio Mm -hmm. is when they really start getting a lot deeper into what they're concentration might be for the next year.
0: Again, maybe when their talents allow them, allow them that access to to express it even more. I think so. Mm -hmm. It's interesting.
3: This group, more than any my current AP class, I think they have such a connection with each other and they feel so comfortable with each other Mm -hmm. that they allow themselves to get even deeper. I think she has been like the deepest internally like looking inwards, um, but that just also speaks to everybody else in that class. Yeah. To let you feel comfortable enough yeah. to do that. Um,
0: yeah, I mean, I think that really the takeaway from these, these two months of episodes on coming together to play and coming together to create is that, you know, to not oversimplify it, we're better together, you know, and, and it's, it is very interesting, just in different and more nuanced ways to see how the power of collaboration um, evidences itself in both these uh, fields. So uh, let's wrap it up. Tell the audience what you're doing next year uh, that you're excited about. It's been a wonky senior <laughs> year, which yeah. has been uh, unfortunate and we're sorry for, but there's excitement ahead. So mm-hmm. what's up for Ryan Daniel next
3: year?
4: Um, next year I'm gonna be attending the University of Texas at Austin. Um, which I'm extremely excited about. No um, family ties
0: there, so. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, the whole family is sister. excited. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
4: um, everyone's super excited. Great. In regards to the arts, my major is gonna be communications and leadership. That being said, I hope to take art classes, maybe minor in studio art, some something like that. We'll just see where it takes me. But that's right.
0: Read Daniel Pink's book. Oh, essentially, he's saying is that the artistic mind prevails across all sectors yeah. and will infuse yeah. the work you do in a in a, in a world now that really demands um, uh, an orientation to uh, creativity and expression, yeah. and, uh, and 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 uh, the world of whimsy a little bit. So you'll find a way. For uh, sure. How about you leaving Texas yes, or Miss Hudson? Texas. Yeah, both
1: of the twins are leaving Texas. Yeah, um, I'm going to Berklee College of Music in Boston to study contemporary writing and production. Um, I'm very excited. It's been my dream school since I was a freshman, and getting to study music and to continue to create art in such a more broad way than I was ever expecting is so exciting.
0: Yeah, and not that uh, any of us. Value external labels a whole lot, especially when it comes to college placement at parish because we we really don't. But for those of you who are listening, I mean, if there's an Ivy League of music schools, Berkeley's in it. <laughs> right? Yes, <indeed>. yeah, Berkeley's <laughs> in it, so Claire has an exceptional opportunity to be really surrounded by um, tremendously dedicated um, musicians. There and we'll be enriched. It's been fun, y'all. Thanks for hanging out for me a little bit. Thank yes. uh, you. Can't wait for this next month of closing uh, activities and and uh, and fun things. Start with the. Art show going up this afternoon, Mm -hmm. Uh, so check it out. So it's to be seen online, so you'll be able to get it off the web page.
3: Thanks,
4: y'all. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to this edition of the From Angle podcast. Please share it with friends and colleagues in your network. Well, we are rounding the turn and heading for home in this podcast season, one that has traversed the challenging terrain of the pandemic year. We have. Two final episodes coming in May, one that will help us look ahead to what coming together might look like post pandemic, and the other, a bittersweet farewell to my occasional co host, Senior Amari Hayes, as he prepares to graduate and head on to college. So join me next time for an interesting conversation with Claire Hayter, technology entrepreneur and futurist, as we consider the world of work and the human experience of coming together again as we emerge from the pandemic. We'll see you next time on the From My Angle podcast.